a man by the name of Sadhu Sundar Singh. He's from the East. Uh, he, wrote, he once wrote, when I was in the Himalayas, I was sitting upon the bank of a river. I drew out of the water a beautiful round stone and I smashed it. The inside was dry. The stone had been lying a long time in water, but the water had not penetrated the stone. It is just like that, he said, with Christian people of the West. They have for centuries been surrounded by Christianity, entirely steeped in its blessings, but the master's truth has not penetrated them. Christianity, he says, is not at fault. The reason lies rather in the hardness of their hearts. Materialism and intellectualism have made their hearts hard. So he says, I'm not surprised that many people in the West do not understand what Christianity really is. Now, I don't know when this man wrote this, when he said this, but if one were to look at the West today, America in particular, they would see a nation that is deeply divided. And one of the causes of this division is the rebellious and hardened hearts of the people who live within it towards the Lord. That rebellious and hardened hearts toward the Lord can further divide a people who should be united will be evident in the passage we're going to read today in Genesis chapter 42, verses 1 to 38. If you recall last week, Joseph's brothers became hard in their hearts because of the dreams, the divine revelation that Joseph had received. They had envy towards their brother in their hearts, and their hearts became hard. And this was evident because when they went to, uh, they put Joseph in a pit, and they sat down to eat a meal. And it didn't faze them at all that they had tossed their brother into a pit. So their hearts were clearly hard. The suffering of their brother had no impact on them at all. And so the question for this chapter is, what does God show us regarding hard and rebellious hearts towards the Lord? The first thing we're going to see is that those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will often have little concern for people and their circumstances in a time of crisis. Verses 1 to 5. When Jacob, this is going to happen 20 years after the events of Genesis chapter 37, when Joseph was sold off into slavery for 20 shekels of silver. 20 years have gone by, and now we read, When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? In other words, why are you doing nothing? Why are you idle? And Jacob said, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in the land of Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there, that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. 
But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother, Benjamin, with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him, some tragedy that leads to his death. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine, the crisis, was in the land of Canaan. The first thing to note is that the famine is going on in the land. There's a crisis going on. And it is interesting to note that the brothers do nothing. The brothers have the responsibility of going to get the food in Egypt so their family can survive in the famine. But the brothers don't do anything. It, took, it takes their aged father, who is, some scholars believe may have been blind or close to being blind here, to say, I see food in Egypt. Why are you standing around doing nothing? Go get food so that we can live and not die. And you ask yourself, why are the brothers not going to get food? Why are they just doing nothing while they're in the middle of a crisis? While they're in the midst of their starving, they're starving, and he doesn't do anything. They don't do anything. And you say, why? Do they not know they were in the midst of a famine and they were experiencing a shortage of food? Of course they knew. You said, then why would they not do anything about it? I, I don't know for sure, but it could be because they don't want to go to Egypt. Why? Because it's going to remind them of their sin when they sold their brother for 20 shekels of silver. Who wants to be reminded of their sin and the pain that they may have caused other people? So they don't want to think about it. They want to deal, deal with it. So in the midst of a famine, they do nothing. But that's not all. Joseph, uh, Jacob also, what does he do? He doesn't send, he, he, he tells, he doesn't want to send Benjamin, his youngest son, to Egypt in the midst of the famine. Why? Because Benjamin is his youngest, most precious child. It is the youngest son of his favored wife, Rachel. And the last thing he wants is to send Benjamin to Egypt and end up losing his son to some calamity. So he doesn't want him to go. But he has no problem sending the rest of his sons to Egypt. What if a calamity falls upon one of the other sons? Does he have no concern for them? Here you see in both the sons' lack of concern for the crisis and the father's lack of concern for the people in the midst of the crisis. This is what the passage is showing, that those who have hard and rebellious hearts towards the Lord will have very little concern for people and their circumstances in the midst of a crisis. Joseph, uh, Jacob did not, and neither did the brothers. Now think about what's going on in our society today. As Jacob's sons seem to show a lack of concern or awareness for the crisis that was in their midst then, a famine, are there those who seem to show a lack of concern or awareness for the many crises that are in our midst now? Also notice, 
as Jacob showed a lack of concern or awareness back then for the people, his sons, as they made their trip across the border to Egypt because they were desperate, needed food, are there those who show a lack of concern or awareness for people today as they make their trip across this nation's border because they're desperate? This shows that both Jacob and his sons and their lack of concern for people and their circumstances in a time of crisis, it reveals that they have rebellious and hard hearts towards the Lord. And for people today who have the responsibility, the authority, the means to care for people in the midst of a crisis and don't do nothing and seem unaware of such things, reveals a heart that is rebellious and hardened to God Almighty. Number two, those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will not be able to identify God's appointed deliverer. We see Joseph function as the deliverer of his brothers. Jesus is the deliverer of all mankind. Read verses 6 to 8 with me. Now Joseph was the governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him, that is, showing respect for his political authority, with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized or identified them, but he acted as a stranger to them. That is, he disguised himself. He would not reveal himself to them. And he spoke roughly or harshly to them. Then Joseph said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize or identify him. Here we see that Joseph is intentionally hiding his identity to his brothers. He doesn't want them to know who he is because their hearts were hard and Joseph knew that because he experienced what they did to him 20 years ago. He has no idea if, he's cha if they've changed and there's no way he's going to know if they have truly changed in their hearts if he reveals his identity so he conceals it. This is a mirror and a reflection, an indication, a parallel to what Jesus Christ will do to people who have hard hearts and rebellious hearts in them. He will keep himself and his identity from being known to those people. Hard hearts and one's ability to see and understand spiritual truth and understand Jesus as the one true Lord is contingent on one's heart condition. And hard hearts, rebellious hearts towards the Lord will keep them from understanding and recognizing who the one true Lord is in a time of crisis. Thirdly, those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will often undergo a period of testing for the purpose of determining and refining their character. Verses 9 to 17. 
Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them. Stop right there. This is very important. Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed about them. This is important because it tells you the motive for why Joseph is going to do what he's about to do. What were the two dreams that Joseph had? The first dream was he had dreamed of a sheaf that stood upright while he was gathering sheaves with his brothers. In his dream, his sheaf stood upright and there were sheaves that were around him and they bowed to him. That has just been fulfilled as the brothers bow down before him. And he realizes the first dream has now been fulfilled. But he had two dreams. The second dream was what? He had a dream that the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to him. Well, that has not happened yet. And Joseph wants that to happen. He wants his father and all of his brothers to be reconciled and to be with him in Egypt so that he can provide for their needs. That's exactly the way Jesus sees people, too, who are separated from him with hard hearts. He will put them and undergo, put them through testing to soften the heart, melt their character, mold their character to such an extent, to such a degree, that they will be with him so he can provide for their needs in difficult times. So it's important that the reason why Joseph is going to do what he's going to do here is not vindictive. It is for the purpose of of getting his brothers and his father to him with Egypt so he can be with them. So we see that Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. You want to spy out the land is what you want to do. You're not here to, to get food. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We're all one man's sons. We are honest Men, your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you, saying, You are spies. And then he says this, In this manner you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them in prison three days. Here we see that Joseph is going to put his brothers under a test. Now, what does the word test mean? What is Joseph doing when he's going to test his brothers? The word translated test in our English Bibles is a Hebrew word meaning behan, which is dis- which, what is distinctive about this particular word is the metallurgical connotation. What is metallurgy? Metallurgy is the science that deals with procedures used in extracting metals from their ores, purifying and alloying metals, making them stronger, and creating useful objects from them. That's what he wants to do. He wants the test is going to be meant to purify them, make them stronger, and to make them useful in the future. This understanding of the word test here is seen in Psalm 66:10 
where it says, For you, O, o God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. What Joseph wants to do in the testing is to see what his brothers are made out of. And he wants to purify what's inside of them, take away the impurities out so that they can be what God wants them to be. All of this is simply to say that those who have a rebellious and hardened hearts towards God will often undergo a period of testing for the purpose of determining and refining their character. This is what Joseph does to his brothers and it is reflected in what Jesus Christ will do to people who have hard hearts in our day. Fourthly, those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will often experience suffering for the pain that they have inflicted upon others in the past. Read verses 18 to 24. Then Joseph said to them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses, and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress, this anxiety, sorrow, and pain has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against the boy, and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he turned to them again and talked to them, and he took Simeon from them and bound them before their eyes. You say, what's going on here? Notice what Joseph has done. He originally told his brothers, what I want to do, I'm going to send one brother to go get Benjamin, and I want you to come back. I'm going to keep nine brothers here. But then Joseph thinks about it. He comes back, and what does he do? He switches it around. Joseph now wants nine of his brothers to go get Benjamin and keep one brother with him. Why does he do that? Why does he make that switch? There's two reasons. The first reason Joseph does this is because he wants to make sure that his family back home has enough food. You're going to be able to carry much more food back to where his father is if nine people go back to Jacob is than one. Okay? So he's, he's concerned about his family family home in Canaan, but he also wants to remind his brothers of their past sin. By keeping one brother with him and sending nine brothers home, he's hoping that it will cause the sin that their brothers did to him to bring it back in their minds, because he's putting his brothers in a situation that they were currently, that they were in before 20 years earlier. Remember, 20 years earlier, Joseph's brothers left him to go to their father, and they came home with 20 shekels of silver. Now, 20 years later, the brothers are going back home without Simeon, and you're going to find out they're going to have silver in their, in their sacks. So all of this is coming into Joseph's brothers' minds, and they're, remind, they're being reminded of their sin. I know that because they say they're reminded of their sin. 
And what do they say? This guilt has come upon us, don't they? And they say, this is the reason why we're hurting and we're suffering. It's because of our sin that we did 20 years ago. That was orchestrated by Joseph. Joseph, in his sovereignty, orchestrated this so that they would, the Joseph's brothers would be mindful of their sin. You see how God works here? And notice that Joseph was still hurting. Joseph, as he listens to the brothers talk about this, Joseph could not stay in their presence anymore. He was weeping. Why? Because he was still hurt because of what his brothers had done to him 20 years ago. All of this is to say that those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will often experience suffering for the pain that they have inflicted upon others in the past. And that is true. Maybe some of you have had experiences that you may have gone through and you know and you can tie in that situation to a previous sin in your life and God was orchestrating this to bring it back to your mind so that you would repent of it. I know that's happened to me. I committed a sin with an individual and I was wrong for doing it and I would not repent of it. I justified the sin saying it was, well, everyone's doing it today. I don't see lightning striking me. must be okay. But I was wrong. My heart was hardened. And wouldn't you know it, God put me back in a situation that would remind me of my previous sin to get me to repent. And I had to suffer because I inflicted suffering on someone else. This is not karma. This is totally different. This is reaping what one sows, which is a Christian teaching. Galatians 6, 7. Karma is something totally different. Okay? But this is you're seeing God at work here in the hearts of people who are hard and rebellious towards him. Fifthly, those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will often blame God for the unfavorable circumstances that they find themselves in. Did you ever do that before? Verses 25 to 28. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money, or silver, to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. So they, locked their, so they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there it was in the mouth of his sack. So he said to his brothers, my money or silver has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed, literally sank. It failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, what is this that God has done to us? Here we see that they're blaming God for the situation. God is doing this to us. They're blaming him for their predicament. And oftentimes, when we're in unfavorable circumstances, if our hearts are not right, we, autumn, we go right away, we blame God for it. Isn't that what Adam did in the garden? He committed a sin, his heart was hard, he rebelled against the Lord. The Lord asked him what happened, and he says, well, the woman that you gave me, gave me the fruit and I ate of it. What did he do? <laughs> he blamed God for it. Hard hearts and rebellious hearts towards God will often blame God for the unfavorable circumstances that we often find ourselves in. It's reflective what's inside of us. Sixthly, those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will often lack sincerity and candidness in their speech. 
That is, they will reveal and communicate only the information that is advantageous to their cause. Verses 29 to 34. Then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, and told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is Lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, We are honest men. We're not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me so I shall know that you are not spies but that you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Now in order to see this, what the brothers have done, they were very tactful with their language. In order to see this, you have to compare the conversation that the brothers are having with their father with the conversation that they originally had with Joseph when they were in Egypt. And when, I'm not going to go through all the comparisons because it'll take too long, but I want to mention two things. Number one, in the original conversation with Joseph, Joseph says this. He says, bring your youngest son to me, Joseph said, so your words will be verified and you shall not die. That's what Joseph said to his brothers when the brothers were in, in Egypt. Watch what the brothers say when they're speaking to their father. They say, Joseph said to us, I will grant your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Did you notice the subtle differences that the brothers have done? When they were speaking to Joseph in Egypt, Joseph said, he said, bring your youngest son to me so your wills will be verified and you shall not die. Why would the brothers not repeat that to their father? That's harsh language. And their goal is to get Benjamin to go back to Egypt. So they want to convince their father in such a way, and they will use language in such a way to get Benjamin to go with them back to Egypt. And if they tell their father, well, he told us that we would not be in prison, there's no way, there's no way Jacob's going to allow Benjamin to go with them. So they've, they've crafted, they're crafted their language and made it softer so that it would be more receptive and favorable to Jacob so that he would let his youngest son go back to Egypt. He twisted it. They also said when Jacob's sons are speaking to Jacob, they also said to him, Joseph told us that we would be able to trade in the land. Joseph never said that. They're trying to show to Jacob the benefit of letting Benjamin go with them back to Egypt. And so they, they invented things and they twisted things. And they also omitted information to Jacob. Jacob's sons never said anything to their father about being in prison for three days. They never mentioned to their father that Simeon was in jail. And they never told their father that they had found money in their, in their sacks at this point all of which would have been detrimental to their cause. All of this simply to say that those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will often lack sincerity and candidness in their speech and will reveal and communicate only information that is advantageous to their cause. And there are people today who do the very same thing, particularly those in positions of leadership and power, who have the responsibility 
to be honest and forthright with the people that they have been called to serve. It's a reflection of hard, hard, and rebellious hearts. And finally, those who have a rebellious and hardened heart towards God will often make comments or use words that will further divide a people who should be united. Verses 35 to 38. Then it happened. As they emptied their sacks, that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin. All of these things are against me, voicing his despair. Now, what has happened? They open up their sacks and they find this money, this silver, is in their sacks. What does, what does Jacob, the father, think when he sees that? You know what that reminds Jacob of? 20 years earlier, when their sons came a long way away, they came home with one less son, and they had 20 shekels of silver. Now, 20 years later, his sons come a long way away, they have one less son, Simeon, and they have silver in their sacks. What does that tell Jacob? Either my boys have either killed or sold Joseph and Simeon. And he says, your fault, it is your reason, you're the reason why, you, you sons of mine, that I'm bereaved. He doesn't no longer think and question what has happened. He thinks that they have done something wrong and that they're the cause of his pain. Watch what Reuben does next. Reuben, the oldest son, who's going to take up his responsibility as the spokesperson for the family because he is the oldest son after all. He says, kill my two sons if if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. In other words, Reuben says, listen, I will make sure that I'm going to make, Benjamin will come back. I will see to her personally. And if, if, if he doesn't come back, then you can kill my two sons. Now think about what he has just said. His father is concerned and thinks that his sons have just killed Joseph and Simeon based on the evidence that has been laid out before him. Now his oldest son says, well, if you don't believe me, kill my two sons. All that's going to do in Jacob's mind is to think, yep, you did kill. You, you, you did kill my boy. If you're, willing to kill you, if you're willing for your two sons to be killed, why would, I, why, would you, why would I think that you wouldn't kill Benjamin if I let him go with you? All the evidence points in the other direction. Hardness of heart doesn't make you think logically. Reuben's heart is hard and he's not thinking. And watch what happens as a result of this. His words, his, his proposal. But he, the father, Jacob said, my son, he doesn't say your brother, Reuben. He says, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead. It's the first time that he says that Joseph is dead explicitly. He's convinced in his mind that he's dead now. And he, Benjamin, is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. What has happened now is that Jacob has said, there is now the rift between you and I has been made greater. He is making a distinction between him and Benjamin and the rest of his sons. The rift that existed between the two has now widened because of the hardness and rebellious hearts of his sons. And that's the main point of the entire chapter. 
that those who have rebellious and hard hearts will contribute to the division of a people who should be united. And today, that is going on. Those who should be in charge and bearing responsibility and leading are only exacerbating the problem with their comments, not thinking logically. And they're causing the, the nation to be divided. That's exactly what's happened. And that's how the chapter ends. Division, hardness of heart. But you know, God is at work. God is not done with this family yet. And you're going to see with the rest of Genesis how God is going to melt and soften these hearts and bring reconciliation where right now reconciliation does not seem possible. God is not done with this family yet. He is at work and the long path towards reconciliation for this family is still ongoing. There is still hope for this family because God is at work in all of it. His hands are everywhere in this. And his hands are everywhere in your lives as well. In the midst of the crisis that we face as a people, in your own personal life, know that the unhidden God and his hands are at work bringing about his will for his glory and for your good, drawing us to himself in the process. We may not see it and we may not understand it, but that is what God is doing. God is now going to work in these hard, rebellious hearts. But it is a reality then and it's a reality today. Hard hearts. And this is what happens when we have hard hearts. But God is faithful and he is at work and will accomplish his purpose. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your holy word. Uh, we know, Lord, that you are constantly working. And the majority of your work is working in our hearts, what's inside of us, our attitudes, what we think, what we think towards you, what we, what we think towards others, how we even view and think about ourselves. Lord, we ask that you would do a mighty work in our own hearts where there may be resistance to your will. We pray that you would break that resistance and that you would test our own character, refine it, even if it means that we will have to go through testing and endure trials and have to go through suffering. We may have to be reminded of our own sinful past, things that we're not willing to bring to the service and talk about, but you know that they're there. We ask, Lord, that you would break through within our own hearts and mold us and shape us to be the people that you want us to be, to make our hearts soft and pliable. For when that happens, then you will reveal yourself to us. And you can have your way in us. And people will see you in us. People will hear you in us. And we can change the world because you're in us. Lord, may that be the case today. Break down our hard hearts, our rebellious hearts, our resistance, and you have your way with us. We ask this, Lord God, in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Let's continue our worship this morning by singing, God moves, would you please stand if you are able. God moves in a mysterious way His wonders to perform 
He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in his dark and hidden minds, with never failing skill, he fashions all his bright designs and works his sovereign will. So God, we trust in you.
We trust in him. We don't just say that. We want to put our hearts and give it to him. Give our hearts to him. If we trust in him, give your heart completely to him. Let him have his way with your heart to break down the hard and rebellious parts of our hearts. If we give that to him, he will change us, make it new, and we will have joy and peace to an extent and to a degree that we have not experienced prior to that. Will you trust in him? Give him your heart, and he will make it new. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Just one word, just another word I would like to say. It's Mother's Day. I'm going to go around. I have some roses. If you're a mom, I want you to go ahead and take a rose. We want to celebrate this day with you. So just stay where you are, uh, and I'm going to come around with some roses and wish you a very happy Mother's Day. God be with you.